decisions, great out visits, great job not letting the best player beat you. This one crushed out to right field. pick of the 2023 MLB draft, the Detroit Tigers select Kevin McGonigal, a shortstop from Monsignor Bonner High School, Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. Two balls, two strikes to Bryce Harper. Suarez delivers. Swing and a drive. Left field. It's deep. It's going. Yes! And it is gone. Yes! yes! It is Bedlam at the bank as Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top. Are you kidding me? What is up, Delaware County, and welcome back for episode number 45 of Delco Baseball Now. My name is Brendan Ricciardi. I am joined by Ben Thorpe. And Ben, we got a great episode on hand today. Oh, dude, we have a couple incredible interviews. You're going to want to stay tuned. First dual threat interview. Yeah, First time we've had uh, two different interviews Actually, in a way, it's triple. Oh, if you think about it, that's true. That's true, because we got uh, got our guys from Bonner Baseball. We got Austin Cannon, Jackson Kehoe, and Harry Carr. We also have head coach Steve DeBarbery. They come on at different times, so we get to hear a little different perspective. We also have Kyle Verbitsky, an alum of Episcopal and Penn State, now pitching in the Baltimore Orioles organization. And what an interview that was. Oh, incredible. That was one of the ones where, like, you can script out as many questions as you want, but Mm -hmm. the second it starts going, it's like, we're just going to talk like it's a normal conversation yeah, and there are a lot of here. great experiences just a lot of great stories You've seen it all really you know? really good interview like, yeah definitely uh want to take a quick second here to give a shout out to our merchandise shop so last week i had on the delco baseball now hoodie i don't unfortunately have it on now um but i've had a lot of people ask about ways that they can represent the brand so we got we got everything yeah hoodies t-shirts shorts joggers uh different types of jackets Got different types of kitchen stuff like glasses. We just added a shot glass shot uh, for those cold Delco games in March. Only if you're over 21. Yep, We're yep, not getting yep, in trouble yep, here. Yep. Uh, but, you know, we got blankets. We got stuff for your dogs. We got stuff for your friends. We got stuff for your friends' dogs, your dogs' friends. What Really, whatever you yeah. need is uh, dogs just go friends. online, now.com. <laughs> we have we have a uh, tab at the top of the screen that just says store, and that'll direct you to a, uh, a printify link, which is where we do all of our merchandise from there. More importantly than just representing the brand, it's being able to support us and the other people that are involved with Delco Baseball now in what we do. Because we, you know, we love doing this, but, you know, there comes a point where we need to be able to have more staff. We need to be able to have more resources, pay for our our lovely studio here. And, you know, I think merchandise is a great place to start. So uh, be sure to check something out. We got, I would like to think, reasonably priced uh, Yeah, I would say so. It's it's nothing... I don't know. It's honestly, probably a little less yeah. than what you'd see in another merch store. I think um, the most expensive is the puffy jacket is seventy, which for a puffy jacket, yeah, like they're you know, yeah. they're pretty pricey to be. It's like it's good quality stuff too. Like Absolutely, it's, it's, you know, we're not just you know throwing like crap at people. Yeah, like it's, yeah. It's, it's no, good the, stuff. The hoodie's good. Um, you know, it shipped in I think less than a week. I, I know your stuff will be here soon. Yeah, it should it, be. That's you know. I ordered that on. I don't know when the when the link went out. So it'll be here once once it's here. You'll see me with a. Brand new pair of joggers in the phone case. Finally, I'm I'm getting that quarter zip. My uncle ordered a bunch of quarter zips, nice. so I want to see how they uh, they look. But very excited for that, you know, because uh, I feel like you know we want to be a little more professional at the games mm-hmm. we're at. Because right now, like I, I was wearing the t-shirt to all the media games, 
And uh, I'm just like, all right, maybe get you know get a golf shirt, right? Like yeah. we got, I think, 17 different color golf shirts that we can get to uh, to represent whatever school you're going for. So make sure to uh, check that out. All right, without further ado, we are going to begin our interviews by welcoming on the 2022 PCL champion and three-time uh, consecutive Final Four appearances, and that's Bonner Baseball. All right, we are now joined by our guys from Bonner Baseball, Austin Cannon, Jackson Kehoe, and Harry Card. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank, Thank you. Guys. Guys. Of course. How's the, uh, how's the offseason been for all you guys? Offseason's going good. Uh, we can't wait to get going, and we're just ready to rock. Yeah, it's the same as last year. It's exciting to get back. Just can't wait to play the first game. Well, what do you guys? What do you guys been doing? Like, you guys do mostly team stuff. You guys do individual stuff, or what? So we've been practicing five days a week. Um, Monday nights, we're um, up at uh, Westchester All Star practicing for an hour and a half. Tuesdays, we're at Ascent, and then Wednesday, Thursdays lifts, and then Fridays are off day. Saturday, we're back practicing eight to ten p.m. up at Bell Ringers. Sounds like uh. Sounds like you guys are doing a lot of stuff together. I see the stuff with Salvi, too, with, yes. uh, like, the workouts together. Um, you guys have had some new additions to the team this year, both young guys and, you know, transfers in. So who are some guys that you've been uh, you've been seeing and expect to be big contributions? Uh, Corey Sheridan, we got him out. He came from Sally's. He's a pitcher going to NC State. He's a big, big guy for us because we need pitching this year. So he'll be a good, good person for us. We also have a, a lot of young freshmen um, coming in. We have a good freshman class. Um, all those guys are going to make an impact in our, our program. So, There's a good amount of younger guys on the team. Um, Michael Coleman, Ryan Friel, who are all sophomores, they're definitely going to help the team out. They um, played a lot last year on varsity as freshmen, and they'll definitely be a big impact towards the team. Hey, um, you know, in, in the other side of things, obviously you guys lost a first-round pick, Kevin McGonigal. What do you have to say just about what he meant to the program, you know, both on and off the field? He was an yeah, awesome leader. Great teammate, and he was just there for everyone, making everyone better as a player, and yeah. Yeah, I couldn't say more about him. He's a close friend of mine. He's always there for you when you need him. One phone call or text away, you want to work out, you want to go hit, he's any, anywhere, anywhere you want to be, he'll be there. Yeah, he, I mean, he's he's someone you you look forward to talking to, and and he's like an easy person to talk to. Like, he knows everything. If you, you have a question, ask him. Um, I mean, he's a great leader. Um, so I guess now that Kevin and that senior class is gone, um, you guys are kind of taking on that leadership role. Um, do you guys feel ready for that? Like, how do you guys feel about taking on that role? I'd say most definitely because we, us three right here, all have been playing varsity for the past four years now. And it's just been like the same thing, I guess you'd say. Like, we're ready. We're ready to rock. Yeah, we weren't there with our freshman, sophomore, junior year. But now since they're all gone, it's our turn to take over. Nice. nice. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, we got a good group and uh being with these guys leading the team, I mean it, it means a lot. So Yeah, obviously, you know, you guys the last three years have had a lot of success, three state semifinal appearances. What were your some uh some of your favorite moments from that run last year? Last year definitely the um the game against Westchester Rustin. We were down five to three or five to two, I'm pretty sure. And we came back late in the game. Our buddy Harry at the end here, he had a big hit that was at the time run. Uh, it was the go-ahead run. The go-ahead run, and that was a big moment. And, like, being down like that and, like, coming back is just an awesome feeling. You were at that game, right? The Rustin game? Yeah. yeah was that, that was a good one. That was more they they intentionally walked Kevin yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. they walked him yeah. with the bases loaded. Or, yeah. yeah, it was with the bases loaded. Yeah. And yep. guys came back and yeah. won. Barry Bonds treatment. Yeah. I was, oh, Irv. It was Irv. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting up there with, like, the Rustin fans, and they were – 
they're not not happy. I don't <laughs> sure. know. Like just I'm sure they're like cocky the whole time you guys were down and came back and real quiet after that. <laughs> it got real. It turned to yeah. the uh oh god, what I forget what they said, but it it, it turned around real quickly for them. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I would say the Rustin game, too, because I feel like that's when we ca- became a team and wanted to actually win it, and then we came close as a group. Um, I would have to say the Bethel Park game. I mean, I started that game. Um, they were the defending state champions. I think two in a row, right? Yeah. I think they won, tw- yeah. I think they won two in They're a row. Definitely yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that was a pretty exciting game to start, and I, I had a good time. So. Um, so, I mean, you guys have made the state semifinals the past three years. Um Twice in 4A, once in 5A. Uh, what do you think you guys need to do to get back to that point and surpass that point and get to state college? Definitely um, just keep working hard and grinding, game, take game, take one game at a time and move on to the next. Just This offseason is going to be big, and from there on, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the last couple of years we haven't hit in the state semifinals or pits very well. Obviously, I started that game, did not pitch my best. So I feel like if we hit better and play and pitch better, we'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, same thing. Like, our hitting was, was good up until the state semifinals game. Um, I mean, we've all had, like, clutch moments. So, I mean, it just didn't go our way the last three years. Yeah, and especially, you know, it's got to be nice for you guys. This core has been together for a little while. You know, it's funny, like, you lose a player of Kevin's caliber, and you kind of look top to bottom. Like, I think this roster might almost be better just in terms of the depth, like how much experience, because you guys have been playing forever. Er's been playing forever. CJ, I thought CJ graduated last year, too, just because I didn't know, like, how many people, you know, are coming back. And I think that, how do you feel like that experience is going to, like, take over this year? Uh, it'll be good. I mean, we've all been playing together since we were freshmen. Obviously, Harry came when he was a freshman from LaSalle. And then we got Matt Shade, Irv, CJ, Quinn, obviously transferred in for a junior year. So we're all tight, and we're going ready to go to war. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much said it. You guys, um, so you won the PCL in 2022. Last year was Father Judge. Just, you know, based on what you saw last year, uh, if you've seen anybody trading this year, who do you think are going to be some of the top teams? Uh, I'd say you can't really call out who's going to be the top team because you never know to the game of baseball. But definitely Judge, they have a big arm returning. Um, Newman, there's a bunch of young guys last year. And LaSalle, LaSalle's always a good team pretty much. Yeah, the PCL, it's always competitive, so you never know who can win. It could be anyone on any given day. Yeah, the PCL is the best league in, in Philly. Like, it's... It's so competitive. Like, even the playoff games, like, they're, like, crazy. Um, but, like, all the teams in the PCL are, are – it, it could go either way every game. So Yeah, it's like we were talking about that last year when O'Hara beat LaSalle on yeah, opening yeah, day. Yeah. And, like, we both played in the Central League. So, like, we didn't know, like, too much about the PCL just in terms of, like, the depth of it, the talent of it. And before we recorded, we were talking about the playoffs. And I think that – it, I think the Central League needs to add yeah, like some 100%. type of playoffs because like it's got to be a cool feeling to be able to go out there and really play for the conference. You know, having that trophy there. Um, just talk about that. You guys played Wood in that in that championship game, yes. right? So what was that like? I mean, I think at Penn, right? You is did, that yes. where it was? Yeah. What was it like? You know, having that atmosphere and playing for that championship. The atmosphere is unbelievable. I mean, everywhere you look, you just saw green, Kelly green, yellow shirts, jerseys around you. Um, it was loud. Everyone was, like, amped up and all, so it was just an awesome feeling for us. Yeah, it was one of the best high school moments I've ever had when we just got off the bus and just saw everyone already there waiting for us to go in. The gates weren't even open, and they were just sitting in the parking lot. Yeah, I had a great time. 
Um, obviously, that game, I was playing with a broken thumb, so I was like, that was my first game, like, actually hitting. Um, but the atmosphere was crazy. Um, I mean, there's nothing really to describe it. Um, I had a lot of fun, though. The interesting thing about Bonner is that, you know, being a private school, you guys all, in a sense, chose to go there. So what made you want to play for Bonner and go to school there specifically? I'd say the coaching staff. Like, for example, Coach Steve, our head coach, he was there for me and Jackson since we were literally coming to our game, supporting us. And then we were we had that connection with Coach DiMucci as well. He was a Ridley guy. For, I mean, Jackson both played for Ridley. And he was, like, always, like, talking, talking – about me and Jackson going to Bonner, um, hyping this up and all, and it was just like after talking about it all, it was like a perfect match. Yeah, I would say the coaches, uh, t- Coach Timmy Phillips, I've been close to him since I was younger. He was our coach for Little League, me and Austin. And then Coach Steve had a big impact. And then Coach Joe, his dad, was really big with that. And then Coach Smucci as well. He's been talking to me since I was younger about going to Bonner, and then it just felt right, felt right going there. So they say, did you go to LaSalle first yeah. for freshman yeah, I, year? I started, um, I went to LaSalle for, yeah. For couple a weeks. couple <laughs> weeks. Yeah. Um, no, nah, the only reason why I really went there um, is because my dad, he coached there. Um, but then I told him I wanted to, I was thinking about transferring. Um, and then he got me in contact with Coach Steve. And um, we just went for there, from there. But, um, yeah. So you guys have been playing together before Bonner as well, some of you guys? Yes, me, Jackson, and Irv have. Well, probably Ridley, I guess. Yeah. Ridley, Little League, yeah. Um, all right, so we kind of talked about this a little bit with the playoff atmosphere, but it seems like the Bonner fan base is just unbelievable. Like, whenever I would make posts about different teams, like, I feel like the ones that would spread the most were the Bonner. I think the most passionate alumni that I can think of. Like, what's it like being able to represent that school and the community? Having the B on your shirt means a lot. Like, you're, you're representing your school, you're representing your fans, families, everything. So it's just... Rock and Bonner Friars is, like, the best thing ever, I guess you'd say. Yeah, it's, it, you should be proud to have the BP on your shirt because all the alums that still come back to this day and how much they give back to the community and just wearing that around, you should be proud. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the alumni d- does a lot for us. So, um, I mean, just to play for them, uh, play for our, our fans and, and our coaches, I mean, that means a lot. Ben, you got a great question here uh, that you yeah, just yeah. asked. There's a... <laughs> I guess, I don't know, maybe it was last week video came out about you guys just throwing weight around. Um, and you talked about it a little bit uh, with your workouts with Salvi. Um, in your guys' opinion, who's the strongest dude on the team? Uh, he's, he's sitting right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd say there's, we're all strong in a way, but like we're all steady with our weight, and also we're all strong guys. Yeah, and uh, I think that I like the the lifting together because for Strathaven, that wasn't really like a thing. We just kind of went to like, at the time it was MSI, but, you know, ascent and kind of did our own thing and like practice together. But I feel like the best bonds are kind of made when you're pushing each other, you know, in the weight room. That video, shout out JT Flicks, by the way. Yeah. JT oh, yeah, Flicks is the man. It. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's been great with, with collabing on different stuff throughout the year. But um, all right, let's talk a little bit about colleges because all three of you guys are committed to play D1 baseball. We'll start with you, Austin. You're heading to Ryder. Just talk to us about, like, how that happened, like, what you liked about the school and uh, why you ended up there. So I chose Ryder because, one, like, the coaching staff up there, Coach Barry Davis, um, he's been there for going on, I think, his 19th season there. And, like, you can't ask for anything else, anything better than that. Like, a coach with experience at that type of level. Um, The campus was awesome. It was a nice campus overall. It wasn't, like, your big overall – Big Power Five schools size campus, but it was like a perfect campus. I could definitely see myself there. 
Jackson, you're heading to Radford in Virginia. Same same question to you. What you like about it? Uh, the only reason I chose there is because Coach AG. I mean, he obviously came from JMU now, and it's his second year on the job. So he's just flipping the program around and just excited to get there. Harry Butler in Indiana is where you're headed. How'd yeah. that happen? Um, so, I mean, I really – I first got a text message from him, from Coach uh, Beamer. Um, he's a new head coach. Um, he's doing a, a pretty good job. I mean, a, a rough first year, but um, he's getting new guys in, a lot of good commits. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was just like the perfect fit for me. Yeah, at the college level, it's hard to judge coaches so quickly because you got to get your guys in, you know. Um, do they want you to potentially hit and pitch, or are they going to kind of um, pick one or the other? No, I'm, I'm just going to uh, hit. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, so we asked this question to Strathaven, but I want to ask the same question to you guys. When I say Bonner baseball, what does that mean to you? Like, what is that kind of, you know, when they, you know, with Strathaven guys, they're like, we want to just go play Strathaven baseball. Like, when you say, I want to play, like, Bonner baseball, like, what is that style for you? Uh, it's playing together, playing as a family, and just going out and being us. You know, don't worry about anybody else. Don't listen to anybody else. Just be Bonner. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess you know, real quick, just to look ahead of the twenty twenty four season. What do you? What are some things that you know you kind of expect um, that need to go, kind of go your way to have success? Uh, we have to bring that energy this year. Last year wasn't as as high it was sophomore year, which we kind of needed. We don't. We need to bring energy this year, and we just gotta go play like we usually play, and just have fun. Don't worry about anything else. Yeah, energy is key. Like you need energy to play baseball. If you don't have energy, you're a dead team. Like you're not gonna come out with a great outcome. Yeah, because once you get that far, everyone has talent, and that's yeah. you know you need the energy to separate you. Uh, we also have Coach Steve Debar in the building today, uh, so we want to thank you guys for hopping on the show, and we'll let uh, let Coach Debar come in here. All right, joining us now, we have Coach Steve DeBarbery. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you Glad for coming on. Here. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Steve, this is what number season at the helm for you? Well, six, I guess you would say. But um, my seventh year total, 2020 season, obviously didn't happen. So, so did you coach at the same time as your dad, or did you guys yes. like? so I graduated college in 2010. My dad took over Bonner in 2008. So right when I graduated, I jumped off staff for the 2011 season and was assistant coach under him for six years, and then took over as head coach. What was that like, getting to work with him every day? Oh, it was great. I mean, honestly, he's like, he's my best friend. We talk every day, and we're just like baseball junkies. So it was good. We have, like, he's old school. I'm a, I'm a little new school, so we have some similarities, but we have a lot of differences. Yeah, so. I got to meet him at, uh, at some of the playoff games. It's, it's cool to see him still sticking around, you yeah. know, and, and doing great. what he can to help the program. He's uh, director of baseball operations. That's, so did he create that title himself? Yeah, that's what I was going to guess. Um, so for, last three, for the last three seasons, you guys have been kind of stuck at that state semifinal game. Uh, what do you think uh, it's going to take to kind of get over that hump? I don't know. You would like to say experience, but, you know, being there three years um, – and try and still haven't gotten over a hump has has been difficult, but I guess like these, especially these three, they don't they don't realize how difficult it is to even get to that game. Um, they just kind of expect it right now, so it, it's going to be difficult um, to get back there again and to win that game. But that's our ultimate goal. I think, like Jackson stated, just we we just got to play our best brand of baseball then. I mean, and it wasn't like the moment was too big for us or anything. It just, you know, the chips fell where they did, and 
Yeah, and it's four. obviously it's not like you guys have been overmatched. Like all yeah. games last year, at this four three, I think it was. It was close. Yeah, I don't it was remember close. what it was. Yeah, what's up? Challenging. Yeah, no, it was nine three. They hit. Oh, it was close for a little while. They That's hit right. a three uh, run homer yeah. in the last inning, but even that, I mean, we had uh, eleven hits off of Miguel Hugas mm. and three runs off of him, which is the most hits and runs he's let up all game. So I don't think we we didn't hit the ball that well. I just thought. Other other areas, especially yeah. pitching, we did, we weren't at our best. You know, I was thinking of the Holy Ghost. That was the year before, right? The yes. one at Villanova. That's yeah. the game I had in my mind of the uh, that was a hard of the score. Yeah. yeah, even that Shaler game though felt a <clears throat> lot closer than I guess the scoreboard had said at the end. But that whole time, it seemed like you guys were in that game. Yeah, yeah, we and we felt that too. Um, but yeah, they just had a couple guys on base, had a couple big blasts, um, a three run. Uh, I think maybe two three run homers that game. That really propelled them to the state championship. Yeah. Uh, so when you take a look at this roster, just from what you've seen in the offseason workouts, you know, based on guys coming back last year, it's got to be exciting to see, you know, so much of that core still coming back. Yeah. I mean, this is the deepest we've ever been um, with me being head coach by far. I mean, if we played a game tomorrow, I, I have 13 names where I can just easily write on a lineup and feel confident about them. And then our pitching staff, um, I, I really feel like we've – Never been this deep pitching in a long time, so which will be good because um, you know guys like Harry and Jackson can go into the bullpen now and they won't be burned out. We can use them at the end of the year and they won't be burned out innings wise. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of arms. I re- really feel confident throwing out there too. So we're excited. We're going to start live at bats here in a couple weeks and really get the competitive juices flowing. So we're excited for that. Who are some of the arms? Uh, we got Corey Sheridan, obviously transferred from Silesiana, going to NC State. Johnny Ortega's third year in varsity, looking to make good strides there. Rocco. Um, we got Matt Shade. We have uh, Nick Frangelli, left-handed pitcher. Ryan Friel was a left-handed pitcher. Um, obviously, Harry Carr, Jackson Kehoe, like, key innings for us the last two or three years so is there anyone not playing college baseball in your roster this year i feel like every have, time i was making a graphic over the fall yeah. i'm like geez like we have 12 seniors yeah. and 10 are going on to play college baseball wow. so that's impressive yeah, that's definitely right there um same question i asked them just about you know obviously losing kevin this year it's going to hurt on the field and leadership wise like what do you have to say about what he meant to bonner yeah i mean obviously the player he was for four years but you know, more of the, the – he, he's a culture changer. You know, more of the leadership aspect and the community aspect. What he what he did for our school and for our program is unmatched. And these guys were fortunate enough to see it. And, you know, the biggest <clears throat> the biggest thing would have to be these 12 seniors, you know, jumping in and taking on, on the role of the five seniors that we had we had gone. So, um, And then what can you say about, like, these three guys and, you know, what they mean to you in the program? They're great. I mean, came in, threw them right into the fire. I mean, the, all three of them started every game since freshman year. So they're they're very experienced. The, um, they know what we're, we're, we're building, what we're trying to do. Everything about bar baseball, I mean, is through guys like them and the kids we brought into our school. Uh, so there's there's only been one – Delco team to win a PIAA state title. That was Marple in 2018. Yeah. So what would it mean for you to be able to bring one back for that Bonner community? Oh, it would be incredible. I mean, words couldn't even describe it. Even in, you know, our PCL title two years ago. I mean, it was, you know, besides 
getting married and my two sons being born the happiest day of my life. Good, you're not sleeping on the couch tonight. That's good. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Had to get that one out. Oh, my bad. Had to get that one out. Um, Yeah, we we were talking about that with them, uh, how we think, you know, having a Central League playoff would be so cool, being able to actually play for that trophy. And I'm sure you would probably agree with that. Yeah. Like I said, when I... um, I graduated Bayern in 2006. Even our playoff structure was a double loss elimination. Now, we didn't advance to, we weren't in the PIAA at the time, but, you know, back then for however many years, for probably 50, 60 years, it was just you played for the PCL title. So that's why it's so important to us as, as a school and a PCL member. Like, that's that's huge. Yeah, it's like the same thing with the Interact. It's like they have their, their state playoffs where all the teams make it, but, like, mm-hmm you're not really deciding, you know, who, like, wins the conference in that regard. Because, like, you know, you can win the Central League and then duck out in the first round, and the Mm -hmm. team that came in third goes on a deep state run. It's like, well, who who really comes out thinking they had, you know, the the better season there? Yeah. Um, All right, we'll wrap this thing up here. 2024 season, what are you most excited about? (sighs) Going to sunny Florida in a few weeks. I mean, that's going to be nice. I mean, we went to Vegas last year. It was freezing. It was like 30 degrees every single game. (laughs) So, you know, getting outside and and in the sunlight, I mean, that's going to be very exciting. And just playing ball with these guys. I mean, I go to war with them. I love it. DBN staff trip (laughs) down down to sunny Florida. Get out of the cold winter. Yeah, honestly. All right, Coach, thank you for your time. Thank you, boys, for coming in as well. And uh, best of luck this year. I'm sure we'll be having some of you guys back on. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. All right, thank you to the boys from Bonner Baseball for taking the time to come on the program, the second high school team that we have had on. Uh, I think these guys are in for a big year. Yeah, I think so, too. They're, and, uh, they talked a little bit about like depth and how deep they were. I think that's really going to help them out this year, especially on the pitching side. I mean, I have never seen uh, – I'll say a PIAA because Malvern pumps out dudes every yeah, year. I've yeah. never seen like a – PIAA team have the pitching depth that they've had. Like you have guys like Harry and Jackson who were starting games last year that just don't have to start at all yeah, anymore. Yeah. You have a D1 starter. You have a D2 pitcher. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, a guy like Johnny Ortega who's upper 80s and, you know, is going yeah. into his junior year. Like they have all of these dudes here. And when you're playing in those playoff games, like when the pitch count hits, you know, our, our biggest issue with Strathaven is we had the two guys. And then after that, it's just like, you know, yeah. cross your fingers and just like and just pray for the best uh, at that point. But you know, these guys they have the experience, they have the talent, they clearly have the focus, yeah. which is which no, is a big thing. Those guys are locked in, and uh, you know, it's it's crazy losing a guy like Kevin McGonigal when you and you think the team potentially could even go further mm-hmm. just because the depth they have and the leadership. It's uh, it's going to be exciting yeah. to watch. I think the most telling thing about that um, was when they're saying that Harry Carr, who threw a complete game shutout in a state game, is now like able to move to the bullpen. Yeah, he's like the like, fourth guy yeah, now, fifth a, guy now. Dude, you be know? like the best pitcher on most teams. I mean, <laughs> having 10 seniors committed to yeah, playing, yeah, like, yeah, I think my, my senior, I think we had three, uh, if you even count me as one, as one of those. Um, but, Penn State club counts. Yeah, absolutely count counts. Um, but, yeah, no, that, was a, that was a great interview. We're going to keep these high school ones rolling on. Uh, if we don't have you on, please don't be offended. We only have so much studio time. We're yeah, going to try yeah. and get everyone in. We only have so many weeks and so many so much time. There will be more during the year. Oh, though. absolutely, absolutely. Players of the week. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. have, you know, stuff with the games of the week, mm-hmm. uh, especially I, I think one time – I think I want to try and do a live show at some point where, say, like, for example, you know, Bonner's like the last team alive in Delco, mm-hmm. maybe like rent out a bar in Drexel Hill and yeah. just like tell all the kids, all their families, like the community come out, have some of the guys on stage and have that be, you know, a thing that could get some more traction, like people following along 
and do stuff like that. Um, but you yeah. know, you need a deep playoff run so we can do some cool stuff. Yeah, guys, it. keep being good at baseball. Yeah, it yeah, works for media. Literally, do your thing. We'll do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. So our second interview here, we have Kyle Verbitsky on. I've known him since I was probably about seven or eight years old. We played on a uh, media literally tournament team together nice. for a year uh, when his dad was the coach, and you know, it's been cool to to follow his development. You know, to see how how wide the gap in our talent has gone <laughs> over. The, it's like every year, it's like oh man, like he's, a little yeah, he's getting, getting a little wider. Um, but for a little little bit of context here, Kyle went to Episcopal. He went to Penn State. He got drafted out of Penn State by the Oakland A's. He was traded last year along with former Philly, Cole Irvin, uh, to Baltimore. So now he gets to be a little bit closer to the East Coast. But he's going to tell you all about that. So let's welcome on Kyle Verbitsky. All right, we are now joined by Episcopal and Penn State alum and current Baltimore Orioles prospect Kyle Verbitsky, also a media Little League alum. I feel like that is uh, necessary to add, Kyle. Thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. It's great to have you in studio. Absolutely. Uh, So how's the offseason been so far for you? It's been good, man. A lot of... um a lot of hard work. I, it's funny. I come home and uh, so far so good in terms of being fortunate that uh, I haven't quite had any big news or, or really anything <laughs> change. It's been a pretty steady off season. You know, last year I got through it pretty good. It was my first real off season after my first full season in pro ball. Um, felt like I a lot, had a lot of ideas, a lot of things to build on. And then wouldn't you have it like right before spring training kind of got traded. And so this year, um, you know, obviously we're not through the finish line quite yet, but it's been really good. I feel like I had a really good focus, a good idea what I need to do improve on, and kind of gotten after it every day. So I'm really excited going into this year. I know your heart skipped when that Corbin Burns <laughs> trade came out. Um, for anybody watching the show that didn't know this, I was going to have Kyle on last year. The day of the interview, you ended up getting traded. And I remember I was just scrolling on Twitter in bed, and I saw the original like Cole Irvin of the Orioles tweet. I'm like, oh, I remember him. He was a Philly. Then I scrolled down to like the second one, and I'm like, I'm like, no way. Um, is that how you found out, or did you get a call? Because I always wondered how that stuff works. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, um, they, they really, I mean, at least in my experience, do a pretty good job of giving the player a heads up before that stuff hits public news. But obviously, there's a lot of guys trying to do a pretty good job, like your Jeff Passons and et cetera, um, trying to get that message out there before anybody else. It's kind of like a big race. And so I was fortunate. Um, I got a phone call from my farm director with the A's. His name was Ed Sprague. Um, and then right after that, I spoke to my pitching coordinator with the A's. His name was Gil Patterson. And then my third phone call was with Michael Elias, and it was, you know, like, welcome to Baltimore. But I have nothing but um, really, really good things to say about my time with the, the A's. And honestly, it, it meant a lot to me. Um, just thinking back to that phone call, like, Ed Sprague is thanking me for, you know, my professionalism, for coming to work every day, and really just the type of guy I was when I was with Oakland. And that message was echoed with my pitching coordinator. And then obviously talking to, to Michael Elias, he's like, yeah, you know, we, we need starting pitching. We love what you do. And we're super excited to see you down in Sarasota. So it was amazing to kind of get traded, I suppose, that early in, in my career. And, you know, a lot of times you look at these prospect rankings, you look at different things, and typically those are your guys being thrown into to trades. And, you know, obviously I'm not necessarily anybody's top prospect, but I'm certainly a hard worker. I, you know, go about my work the right way. And I think that, you know, it might have spoken some volumes to the, the body of work I put together with my time in Oakland. And so I'm, I'm very fortunate just because, uh, as shocking as it was, um, and as much as I really did enjoy my time with Oakland, coming over to Baltimore has been a little blessing in disguise. You know, I went from playing in the Cal League, I played a little bit in Lansing, Michigan, and high A, and then 
you know, I, I was in Aberdeen, Maryland this year, which is about an hour away from home. And <laughs> believe it or not, I have a, a girlfriend from Penn State. We met freshman year, and she grew up in Frederick, Maryland. And so geographically, Aberdeen was one hour from my girlfriend's family and one hour from my family. So I could drive either way and be right next to all the people I love. So it was um, kind of a, a blessing in disguise, I think, to get back over here on the East Coast. And with Baltimore, it's been a really, really good I think uh, test. Uh, there's a lot of really good players in my org. There's a lot of really good coaches and people, and I think that ultimately I'm going to be better served having gone through this kind of development. And and yeah, I feel like I'm getting a lot better. So it's been great. That's yeah, good because like you always wonder when guys get traded. Like, do they take it as like you know personally? Like, oh, this organization didn't want me, or like uh, this one did want me. And it seems like you're embracing the right mindset of you know the Orioles saw something they liked and and that's like kind of the approach you have to have. Yeah, and I think you know you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, it, one of the messages that actually the, the farm director from the A's echoed to me was that, you know, certainly when this kind of stuff happens, you're going somewhere where you're wanted. And it's not to say that the A's didn't want me. In fact, I would say that, um, you know, they might have been on a player development side a little bit, you know, disappointed to lose me. I really had great relationships with all my pitching coaches over there, um, the coordinators over there, the really all the staff, the strength staff, the uh, athletic training staff, and my teammates, you know. Um, that was something that I didn't expect to, to get a taste of that early in my career, but to get some of those texts and some of those phone calls, and even still to this day, you know, um, one of my best friends, he was my roommate with the A's as a kid, Jack Owen, uh, who was an Auburn, a Friday night guy at Auburn, um, free agent signed with the A's, and we roomed together for really the first two years, and only two years I was over there. I was a groomsman in his wedding this past year. And so, like, you, you make those relationships, and I think that that's part of, you know, some of the hard parts about moving on and getting traded. This business is, is tough in that sense. But it's amazing because, you know, I, I really try to be a good teammate. I try to be a really good guy, a good clubhouse guy, and go about my work in a way that's both professional but also, um, you know, maybe leave some clues to, to this is how things should be done. And um, I think I've been able to transition really well with that mindset over into Baltimore, and I've made a whole bunch of new friends, and it's been a really, really good, smooth transition, and I definitely appreciate being closer to home, so it's been yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how's off-season been for you so far? Are you still training with George? Or? Yeah, I'm over at, uh, it's over at EL1 now, I'm still working out with George, and then I go over to Ivy Rehab um, and do Rob Rubina, yep. you know, Rubina well, of course. but I, uh, you know, that's something that it's actually really, really important to me, and I'm glad you brought it up because that group that we have, um, I really think it's as good as it gets. I have probably six or seven of my closest friends right now at home um, are all playing baseball. Uh, probably the biggest name that you might know is Justin Topa, who, believe it or not, he was in my shoes about two days ago from where I was last year. He just got traded from the Mariners over to the uh, Minnesota Twins. And he's a big league guy. He was second in Major League Baseball in appearances last year. Really, really good body of work. But more so, like, the type of person he is. I'm very fortunate to train around guys like that just to, you know, put yourself in an environment that is arguably better than the, the current level I am. And I think that, you know, that's kind of a staple to, to my whole career. I've always tried to put myself in a, an environment of people, train with people that are, you know, at least as good, if not better than I am. And I think that's been a really good recipe for success. So to continue to, to build on that, even at this stage in the game where I hate to say it, but it's kind of hard to find, you know, like all my best friends growing up and everything, um, there's not a whole lot of them still doing it. And that's no knock on their career. A lot of them have had unbelievable careers. They've turned into unbelievable people outside of baseball, uh, professional careers. Um, but to, to find a group of guys that have been able to stay close enough and train together and really look forward to seeing one another and push each other in the mornings, like 
it's helped me, I think, grow as a person and as a player in this offseason. And, you know, going into a season, it's great to, to learn from people that are kind of doing the same thing. And, you know, in Topa's case, doing it levels higher than, than I've played. So he's certainly a role model for me and somebody I look up to. And I think there's a lot of guys that in our training group that, that look up to him. But we all pick each other's brains. We learn from each other. And I, I really love the guys I train with. All right, Ben, as the PO of the podcast, I think you should ask this this question here. Oh, my God. Oh, there we go. All right, I kind of – my bad. Um, yeah, so during offseason uh, as a pitcher, do you have a specific goal in mind? Uh, maybe, like, what is that goal this year? Yeah, so it's funny. Like, for me, kind of – and, I mean, this is going to sound pretty obvious, but velocity is a huge yeah, element of to the game right now. You know, you turn on the TV and everybody's throwing very hard. And I think that that's something that – you know, I've always been kind of at the threshold of whatever level I've been at. I've never been that guy who's – light years ahead of anybody velo wise but i'm certainly no slouch you know um i want to say my average fastball last year was somewhere right around 92 i'd love to to kind of take that to be more like yeah, 93 96 somewhere in that window i think as a starter that would play pretty well especially with the types of pitches i throw and um obviously i'd love to throw 100 i'd love to throw 105 like i think that a realistic step in the right direction for me is continuing to try to raise that floor and Ideally, I'd love to be, you know, at a minimum like 93, 94 this year, hopefully touching some fives and sixes and carry the rest of my arsenal with that. Uh, ideally, the slider would be a little bit harder, curveball a little bit harder, et cetera. But um, goal-wise, like, that's certainly a, an element to it. But one of the cool things about being with Baltimore is we have access to a lot of technology. And um, we do what's called a, like a biomechanics motion capture and there's a lab. Um, it's kind of attached to a hospital in Bel Air, Maryland. So really close to Baltimore. Actually, really close to where I lived this off or this uh, current past season with uh, when I was with Aberdeen. And so usually about once during the year, maybe twice. Certainly once during spring training. And then obviously being on the East Coast, I'm close enough that about three weeks ago I did another one. Um, we'll go to that lab, throw a bullpen, and you get back a ton of uh, ton of information. There's six, seven cameras all around you. There's force plates in the mound. You're pitching to a track man. And so basically it's able to break down every element to your delivery and then kind of pinpoint certain areas where maybe you're not maximizing um, certain movements. And so for me, um, really trying to capture a little bit more, um, I'd call it like scap load, but that's basically just staying closed a little bit longer. Um, and one of the other things I've been working on is trying to get my lead leg block to be a little bit stronger. So ultimately if I could create a little bit more tension, hold it a little bit longer, and then stop that force out in front of me when I land and kind of pitch through it that, that hopefully it'd lead to a maybe more efficient throw but also a, a harder throw. So, you, you know, you, you kind of get to a certain point in this game. Every adjustment, everything you're doing, it's tiny things. I mean, it's like marginal differences. And that last 1%, that next 1% after you get to there, those are sometimes the hardest little hills to climb. But at the end of the day, there's been a huge body of work over the course of time that's kind of gotten me to where I am. So it's also really important not to lose all of that. You know, there's a reason that I'm able to get outs. There's a reason I'm able to, to kind of pitch at the level I pitch at. And the further away I get from who I am to maybe chase something that who knows if I'll ever be, I think that you kind of have to weigh that risk reward a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, the end goal is pitching in the big leagues. And so you certainly, uh, in my shoes, are going to take some risks and, and try and do whatever I can because, I mean, that's the top level of this game. Those hitters are pretty good. The, uh, the pitchers that throw out there are pretty good. And, I mean, you saw the news with that trade, but also just looking around my org, um, there's certainly some pretty good players that I, I would need to pass to, to get my shot up there. So, 
um, for me, it's it's really just a commitment to trying to do that work every day to get just a little bit better and kind of staying in my lane, controlling what I can control and, and seeing where the cards fall. Yeah, it's like once you get to the, the level you're at, like everybody has talent. And it's just like those little things, you know, in the grand scheme of things really end up being uh, the big things. Now, do the Orioles kind of like tell you things they want you to work on? Or is, is it kind of for you like I want to do this and work with George to like make that happen? Yeah, so I think the uh, one of the things that's been super clear ever since I've been with Baltimore has been the communication on a lot of those goals. So yes, um, some of those things I just mentioned are certainly goals that I've gotten from the Orioles. And um, on top of that, kind of one of the main things that stuck out was as soon as I got in, we took my slider, which when I was with the A's was a bit more of a gyro slider, um, kind of like a hard cutter, I guess, if you will. It stayed more it's true to the plate. It didn't have what's that, that big sweep. Uh, the sweeper the sweepers are taking over. <laughs> so sweepers are taking over. But uh, certainly for me, I've always been a guy who kind of pitches up with the fastball, and I have that big breaking ball, curveball to go with it. The slider before I got over to Baltimore was kind of that tight one in the middle, and we sought to add a little bit more of that horizontal break, kind of going away from righties. Um, to have my own version of, I guess, a mini sweeper. Um, for me, for my arm slot, I think it's real hard to get really far out into that sweeper world. Like yeah, a lot of sinker ball guys throw those huge sweepers, and that's a little bit because of the way they, they throw the ball, their arm slot. For me, um, just working on some repetition and a couple of different t- tools that the Orioles had, we had these uh, balls that actually just drawn on circles on them. And if you spun it the right way, you'd see a circle. It was kind of instant feedback, and that stuff really, really helped me to pick up more break on that that sweeper and sure enough like there's an argument to be made that it was my best pitch last year so I think that you know constantly being developed and being in an org right now that's certainly new school certainly very analytical with the the way that we develop but that communicates as well as Baltimore does it's been really nice to have some of those goals in front of me but at the end of the day um, you know somebody told me a while ago it's it's your career and so all the work that you do once you're at this level kind of does fall on you um, nobody's going to hold your hand uh, they're going to tell you you know you're supposed to lift today but if you don't lift you don't lift uh, same similar to your throwing and whatnot at the end of the day you got to be ready when you go out there and I think that that's really what I try and take the most ownership and control over it's like my preparation um, there's certainly more talented guys than me there's certainly guys that you know maybe god-given like just can do it a little bit better than I can but I try to go into every day like you'll be hard-pressed to find somebody that's going to outwork me. And that's kind of been how I've really been since arguably high school, college. So just day by day. So uh, you talk a little bit about your preparation. Um, and you talked a lot about off-season so far. What about like a game day type thing? Yeah, so it's funny. I, I tell this story a little bit. But um, I played uh, three sports in high school. I played football, basketball, and baseball. And yeah, I also played, you know, shortstop, I hit. And you go from doing all of those things to, to literally just pitching. And it's a little bit hard, especially in the beginning, right? You're 18, 19 years old. I'm a freshman at Penn State. I was doing all these things at Episcopal, and wham, like, you're just going to pitch. And I think what I found helped me the most was kind of looking at those days that I pitch, and especially more so my junior, senior year, when I started being a starting pitcher full-time, Um it almost feels more like a football game to me because for everybody else, right, like in a minor league season, you play in these, uh, it's a six-game series. So Tuesday to Sunday, you're playing every game's at 7 o'clock at night except for Sunday's a day game. But 
usually, unless it's like you're on a five-day and sometimes I'll pitch Tuesday and Sunday, for the most part, you're pitching one day a week. And I know what day that is, right? So let's just hypothetically say I'm throwing on Friday. This will make it easy. Well, the whole week, I get to watch that team that we're playing. I get to prepare. There's video. There's all sorts of different analytical tools that I can go on and scout these hitters and whatnot. But I really get to prepare. That's almost like a football game. You got that Friday night game, and your whole week of practice is figuring out, okay, like this is what they do on offense. We're going to go out and practice how to defend that. This is what they do on defense. This is how we're going to attack it on offense. We're going to go practice that. You get to Thursday. You kind of do your walkthrough. And then Friday, man, it's like showtime, right? The lights are on. That anthem goes off. You have that huge adrenaline spike, and you're ready to go run through a damn wall. That's like what I try and feel when I pitch. And so my whole week is, is preparing for whatever task is in front of me. I try to get to know their lineup a little bit, especially if I have a few games to watch it. Um, if I'm pitching earlier in the week, I'll definitely do a little bit more film review and figure out kind of what they're doing because I won't get a chance to see them as much. But that bullpen during the week, um, it really consists of two things. One is like anything I took from my last outing that I know I need to improve on. I want to work on a little bit in that bullpen. But two, it's what's next. Like I know that there's going to be six lefties in this lineup, so I better dial in that change up a little bit, right? Or maybe you're facing a team that's got nine righties and you're not going to see a lefty. So it's like, yeah, we're going to spin this thing. And so you're kind of working on that. But by the time you get to Friday, it's like all that work is done. Everything that I need to know, I need to do, it's either been done or it hasn't been done. And, I mean, for me, that's kind of the biggest box I feel like I need to check. I'm prepared. And then once I can go out there confidently prepared and you kind of just get into that mindset of like this is this is war like this is my football game this is that Friday night lights it's showtime I'm ready to go out and do my job and that's I mean in a nutshell that's kind of what starting pitching is right the other guys they got to play every single day your center fielder he's going to get 600 some at bats in a season he might get two off days a month maybe three so that day that I pitch it's so important for me to be a hundred percent and give the team like every last bit of what I have because at the end of the day like there might not be another guy on that field who's able to give a hundred percent not on purpose but just because you get to you know the end of the season like you're talking August September these guys with six seven hundred at bats under their belt and it's hard I mean it's certainly hard so for me to be able to be at that level and they work on it too like they're they're trying to be as consistent and as high caliber that's what's so impressive about the the way the game is played at this level it's the talent's incredible but to be able to do it every single day without stop, I mean, 132 games in A-ball, 142 in AA, 52 in AAA, and it's 162 in the big leagues. That's no small task, right? So to have your body be able to, to withstand that load, to be prepared enough to stay locked in and not take weeks off, to not take games off or bullpens off, and to go out and give your team a chance to win anytime they're willing to give you the ball, that's, I mean, that's kind of my job. And so... It's probably what I work on the most is just being prepared, and I take that kind of football mentality to it because, I mean, that's they try to be a dog. That's it. Yeah. Were you were you feeling like at the end of your first first pro season, like shit, like I really need you know to like going into next year, like this is what it's going to be like every year because in college you probably have, I, I would imagine, how many starts like. 15, so 20. I think my senior year I had 13. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then pro ball. Would it's have, double. I, I mean, was going to say. 26. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, having to understand that, you know, you need to get that endurance up. Like, you need to have your arm, like, mm -hmm. you know. Well, and I think it, it's funny because my whole path into pro ball, it, it was unknown to me, but 
almost taking little mini baby steps towards being ready for that. So my first year in college, uh, I played in a summer league, the Northwoods League. I played on the Kalamazoo Growlers. It's one of the most fun summers I ever had, but mostly because of the work I got to, to learn that it tell you it was the closest thing to what I'm doing right now in terms of minor league baseball. You play every day. You're on crappy stadiums. You're, you're riding a bus through the middle of the night. Like I was going from Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is kind of a little bit north into the state of Michigan. To get to some of the teams we played, there's a giant lake that you got to go down, around, and then back up. So, like, for instance, we'd play Green Bay, the Green Bay Booyah or whatever the team name was. That's like a nine-and-a-half-hour bus ride. You get done a game at, like, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. You're lucky to get on the bus by midnight, and then you're bussing to Green Bay, and you're playing a game the next night. Like, there's no break. You sleep on the bus. I, th- I think that league has gotten a little bit better since I was there in 18 in terms of the travel. They might have went from having two divisions to four now. But anyway, like that was my taste of playing. I played 75 games in 80 days. It was crazy. And that was after a full season of Penn Jesus. State baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially as a pitcher. Like, so, you, you know, oh, yeah. You're already in fact, I think back in that summer, so that was 2018, I pitched like 21 innings maybe for Penn State out of the bullpen. I'm a freshman. You know, I thought I was better than I was. I got a really cool opportunity to go to the Northwoods League, and I wound up throwing, I think it was right around 75, and I might have led the Northwoods League in innings pitched that year. Oh, wow. You could maybe look up and, and see, but I'm almost positive, which the Northwoods League plays more games than anybody else. So certainly I probably led collegiate summer baseball that season in innings pitched. So I had about 100 innings my, my freshman year of, of college. My sophomore year, I was like our second most used guy out of the bullpen. I might have had two or three spot starts, but I think I threw about 41 innings. And at that point, I had a temp contract to go and play in Wareham in the Cape. And speaking to my head coach at the time, I'll never forget it. We were at Ohio State, and it's the very end of the year, and Coop comes up to me. He's like, listen, I really think it's in your best interest if you stay on campus rather than going to the Cubs throwing like 87, 88 at this point. Like, I wasn't going to go show anybody anything in the Cape. I was on a temp contract. I was probably going to go there, get one or two outings, and then come home and whatever. So scrapped that, stayed at Penn State. I took two classes, which actually helped a lot of things. I got ahead a little bit in school. It set up a much easier end of my college career in terms of like, I think I was in one class my senior spring playing baseball, and this was with COVID. So, I mean, it was online. It wasn't even school. And... um. I was pretty much able to train and, and really start to figure some things out. So I come back my junior year, slated to start. I'm the Saturday guy. We start that season. We're having a pretty good year as a team. We're like 12-3. and three. Um, Life's going pretty good. We had played Duke. Um, I think we took a game from them, and then we took two out of three from UCF. Um, and all of a sudden, like, the COVID thing happened and, and we're canceled and, and everything's all done. And that was crazy because at that point I'm like, I'm starting, like everything's going well. This is my draft year. I did all this work to set myself up to be able to finish school. You know, I had big dreams and COVID happens. You, you go home, you're done. And then sure enough, you come back senior year, still a lot of unknowns. Like we didn't know if we were going to have a season. We didn't know what it was going to be. And we wind up playing a big 10 only year. And, that fall, I would say, is what changed my whole career in baseball. Um, I had COVID. This was in 2020, I guess 2021, like right in the beginning of the year. There was like 30 of us on the baseball team who got it. And we got screamed at like, you know, you guys got sick. You can't do this. You can't do that. And basically, like, we weren't going to be allowed to practice or do anything with the team until we got through these physicals and got cleared. And 
the process for that was a bit crazy. We had to get like a cardiac echo, uh, I think a cardiac MRI, an EKG cleared by a doctor. Wow. And basically they told me and, you know, about 20 of us that we couldn't get those appointments until like late October. And it's August. It's like the end of August, right? So you're telling me in my senior year now, baseball, technically junior eligibility-wise, that I wasn't going to be able to train or practice for like almost three months. I'm like, no chance, right? So I... Again, everything's online, so classes online. That's when I went home. I left Penn State and met George, started training with Rob, and wouldn't you have it? Like, I'll never forget, I came back to school right in the spring, so didn't do an ounce of the fall with the Penn State team. Came back in the spring, we're inside, look, we're finally getting back together as a team. These are kind of our first team practices going into this season, and my first bullpen, I'm like 93, 94, and my stuff looks pretty good, and everybody's like pretty excited, and sure enough, you know, I'm a starter again, and I wind up having my best year at Penn State. I think I was our, you know, best pitcher on the team. I certainly filled it up. I had a lot of strikeouts, and I think I earned that draft opportunity with the Oakland A's, and looking back on it, like my junior year that I was like convinced this is my big draft year, and so I don't even think I would have gotten drafted. If it wasn't for that COVID summer, I, I think that that's when I took some of my biggest steps as a player. Um, and not only the biggest steps as a player, but that, that's what got me in with Rob and George, which I would say is a huge testament to what's kind of shaped my, my career, at least the last four years, um, being in that environment with those guys. And at this point over at MSI, I was training with guys like Jordan Hicks and Ryan Halsey and, um, you know, like Bruce Zimmerman's over there and Topa. And it, we had an unbelievable crowd of really advanced, like high-level baseball players and here I am getting to see him every day and whatnot when I should be at school. Yeah. And then it kind of just continued. Um, but so, yeah, recently, like, we've made a little bit of a move from Ascent over to, to EL1 and to Ivy. But when you get to this point in your career, like, you kind of go where your people go. And, and Rob and George weren't there anymore. And those are my guys. Like, I'll go to – I mean, they've gotten me this far. So, it's certainly, why would I change that? Such a crazy blessing in disguise. Yeah. It's like, I'm yeah. personally not very religious, but it's like, the, you don't know what God's plan is, but, like, there's something, you know, Dude. like, you thought when COVID hit and you're going home, like, yeah. I might never play pro baseball. And the next thing you know, you realize it's, it might have been the best thing possible for your career, really. Well, no doubt. And, like, you have that. So, like, yeah, I mean, God's plan with that was unbelievable. And then I'd argue the trade, too, like – kind of at a point when um, dealing with a little bit of stuff at home. My dad has, uh, he actually has cancer. And um, it's been really hard for us to kind of get through all of those things. And especially me being out on the West Coast, like he got diagnosed that first full off season I had back in uh, 22. And um, I was dreading like going back out West just because of how far away it is. It's so hard. And he was fine. I mean, he's been fine. Knock on wood, everything's pretty good with him. And He's inspiring to watch, you know, go through this this whole process, too. It, it truly does. It, it's amazing. It's added so much more, I think, passion to, like, what I do because I've really gotten to see, like, life's short, man. Like, you have no idea what's going to happen next. You don't know when your last day is. You have no clue what, what you're up against. And for me to be able to be at home and be an hour away from my dad. I mean, the worst case right now, and again, baseball can change in the snap of a finger. I can get a phone call in, a, in an hour and be in a different state. But at least for right now, you know, the furthest I could get from home would be AAA, and that's Norfolk, Virginia. It's about three and a half, four hours. So it, life's pretty good right now. Um, I'm really just blessed and I think fortunate that maybe God did have a plan. And 
you know, while I loved Oakland, while I loved the people over there, I thought I had a pretty good path to the to the show over there. I, I think that, you know, God had a plan to bring me home. And so, I, and it's for all the right reasons. Yeah. Um, it's been really important to me. So last season, team MVP of the High A Aberdeen Ironbirds. What did just getting that recognition mean to you? Because obviously you put in a lot of hard work and it's got to feel good to see it pay off like that. You know? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that... Um, you know, I've never been one for, like, personal accolades, I would say. Um, they, obviously, they're very well-earned, and I, I think it speaks a lot to the, the type of teammate I am and the type of work that I do on a daily basis. But I was very fortunate to, to play with a lot of really, really good players. I mean, Jackson Holiday was my shortstop for probably about two, two and a half months. Um, you know, I had Judd Fabian and Dylan Beavers and some of these like top end outfield prospects, my catcher, um, Silas Arduin and, uh, Creed Willems, like two really Silas was at Texas, uh, just unbelievable catcher. So there's so many different pieces that, that go into an award like that. And I think that ultimately at the end of the year, like it really was a culmination of so many people helping me, so many good players behind me. And obviously a lot of the work that, that I did on the mound. And, and I'm very fortunate that, you know, the people that decide on those things, I, I'm very happy to have obviously received it, but um, it's kind of like a, a team award. Like everybody played pretty well when I pitched, and I pitch pretty well when they play well. So it's a it's a great feeling to know that you know I think the guys trust me when I'm on the mound, and I certainly trust them to have my back. And I'm happy that I was you know recognized for it. Yeah, and Ben as a pitcher too. I mean, how like having an infield defense you trust? It's got to change the way you oh, pitch. Just yeah. having the people behind just, I mean, you. No, you know. yeah, knowing that. I mean, having Jackson Holiday. That's that probably a little different than probably yeah. pretty nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that. I if I had him back, I'd feel pretty good <laughs> about like going out and pitching. So that's that's probably really nice to like. Oh yeah, have a good team like that. He's a uh, he's a one of one talent. I mean, I feel like I've played with a ton of really really good players. In fact, I had a pretty good shortstop over with the A's too, and Max Muncy. Um, Younger Max. The other Max. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, He was an outstanding teammate and everything, too. And then obviously coming over and having another, like, first rounder the year later, first pick of the draft in Jackson. Like, it's a cool opportunity. You know, I don't like to fanboy or anything like that. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm 25 and he's 19. And I think he just married his his high school sweetheart, too. It's amazing just how polished that kid is for his age. And granted, I mean, he has his dad, Matt, was a unbelievable player to Cardinals. Um, his younger brother, Ethan, who's in my younger brother, Jake's class, is, looks like another potential 1-1 pick. And, and so to get to have a kid like that behind you who he's not, I mean, like he talks to you. He's a great teammate. He's a great clubhouse guy. He, outside of baseball, you wouldn't know that this kid is, you know, as wealthy as he is, as big and popular as he is he's just a kid playing the game and he's an unbelievable human being with an unbelievable work ethic and i'm very very lucky to have played with him i think i learned from him i i hope he learned a thing or two from me and obviously i hope we get to play together for for quite some time so well it has to be an exciting time to be an oriole especially you know new ownership the corbin burns trade how does it feel to be you know like you're a young guy getting older with an organization that's on the rise like you guys are kind of in the same trajectory and especially an organization that is rich in position player prospects a little more than pitching like it has to feel from a baseball standpoint just like the perfect marriage yeah no i i love being with baltimore i think that it actually blends a lot of what i really believe in um kind of like training wise and and preparation wise i think we're aligned in terms of mentality and strategy and so it's been a really good 
I think, test and, and challenge to, to continue to improve, to develop, and to obviously chase my dreams of playing in the big leagues in this organization. Um, certainly very cool to see almost any time you open Twitter, like somebody's talking about we're the number one farm system. To be a part of that, it's certainly special. Um, I tell people all the time, like, yeah, I got some really, really good friends. <laughs> they are talented at baseball. And so I think uh, similar to that environment piece I brought up earlier about my, my off-season training group, I kind of never lose that. I go into the season, and, I mean, on paper, like, we are as good as it gets as an org, org wide. So you go down to spring training, and there's 165 of us that are pretty damn good at baseball and, and all pushing each other to be better. And so I think that hopefully, I mean, my whole idea behind it would be that it breeds excellence out of me to order to get through this, to compete, to get to double A, to get to triple A, to get to the big leagues. Like, you're going to have to go through it. And to go through it in this system, if I can come out the other side of that, I'd, I'd take that, that deck of cards any day of the week. So, yeah. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Uh, all right. One question I added on here. Who's the best hitter you've ever faced? It could be in college. It could be in spring training. It could be in single A. Like any, has, Have you faced someone that's played in the big leagues at all? Um, yes. I faced a, I think his name's Jeter Downs. Um, oh, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of guys like rehab starts. So yeah. you see people all the time that, um, and it's so funny because it's amazing you know the the big name big leaguers like your Bryce Harpers, your your people that are certainly all over everything. But there's a lot of guys that have gotten up there and played a little bit that are back down in AAA and back up in the base. So it's one thing to get up there, but to then stay up there is a whole nother conversation. And so you see it in the minor leagues all the time, whether it's rehab pitchers or hitters that are coming through. And um, it's funny, like. I don't have a name, I guess, that sticks out to me as like, oh, this was the best. I've certainly faced some unbelievable hitters. Um, I think some of the tougher at-bats for me, at least this last year, there's a kid on the Yankees, uh, Spencer Jones. He's a top prospect with them. He's a real big lefty, um, kind of covers a lot of the plate. I think he's really good on balls down. I think he's really good at seeing pitches. Um, we've certainly had our fair share of like grueling matchups. He's gotten me a few times. I've certainly punched him out a few times. So I think that... Uh, yeah, you know, you're. I don't know. I don't. Ha I don't have one like guy that, that that sticks out. I guess maybe Spencer would be a pretty good. Um, he's kind of got like a mini Aaron Judge comp, like that's super tall. The Yankees seem to have all sorts of guys that are looking like Juan Carlos Stanton and, and Aaron Judge. There's no good way to pitch to them. <laughs> it's just yeah. big. I mean, they take up a lot of the plate. You know, they're looking to do damage. They're they're getting their swings in and um, really cover a lot of the plate. So. I'd say Spencer was probably one of the tougher at-bats of the year, one that I certainly had to prepare for. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, I, I go through these lineups, and I really try not to overlook everybody, anybody. Like, there's a lot of respect, I think, that's given to these guys, um, at least in my position. Like, everybody's here for a reason. Everybody's getting paid to play baseball at this point. So certainly you're supposed to probably lose a couple of these battles every now and then. But, you know, I, I try to prepare, like, my job and, and my career in this game depends on it. And so I think what's been a real staple to everything I'm doing pitching-wise, no matter who I'm facing, is to just have some kind of plan, like know a little bit about them, right? Like, And things can change. Like guys that maybe in the beginning of the year struggled to hit off-speed pitches, well, they're working on that too. you got to figure all year if he can't hit a slider in the beginning of the season, guarantee you he's got machine sliders getting fed to him every day until he could figure out how to, how to get the bat to it. So... I think um, as the season evolves, um, you, what's interesting about minor league baseball, pro ball in general, is you're typically facing the same guys over and over again, too. And when you move, I mean, other people that are your age are kind of moving, too. And, and ultimately, 
like that Spencer Jones kid, he probably has 25, 30 at-bats off of me last year. And so it's a lot more than just getting a guy once. It's kind of figuring out how to continue to to attack and to get these guys. And you see that in the big leagues, right? Like Bryce Harper's probably hit against God knows how many pitchers, but think of how many multiple at-bats he's had against, you know, the same guy in the big leagues. How do you get him out? 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. So you start to really see that in the minor leagues too because we play so much. Um, so constantly challenged by by these lineups, but I think my preparation is really what sets me up to, to not really fear anybody. I think there's a way to get anybody out. Um, just looking into the details and, and figuring out how best to sequence what I'm good at and attack those guys with my best stuff. So on a similar kind of thing, um, your pitcher, you probably spent a lot of time with the other pitchers, is there anyone who's like either overall Arsenal or just a certain pitch is kind of like make just go like whoa like there's yeah you know it's funny I I'd say when I was in college I watched a ton of Tyler Glass now I think that oh, okay. he was certainly a role model for me um, I don't know him personally by any stretch but just that big like he really reaches back and I think he puts a lot of you know tension behind the mm-hmm. ball it, it certainly comes out pretty good and I think. We don't throw exactly the same, but arsenal-wise, a lot of similarities, and, and I like what he does a lot. Um, you know, in my own org, I I think on the minor league side, there's a kid, uh, Justin Armbruster, who got up to AAA with us. In fact, he's probably knocking on the door of the show at this point, but he's my age. And him and I, he was one of the first guys I met during spring training, and um, really just like the way he throws. It's got a little bit of funk to it, but it certainly comes out well, and, and we throw a pretty similar arsenal of pitches too, so I, I feel like I've liked to watch him a lot. And Yeah, like my whole team actually in Aberdeen was kind of filled with some pretty good arms. There was this kid, Keegan, who came out of the bullpen for us and about six seven righty and big fastball, heavy splitter, and I think it took him 21 innings, and I mean that was about two and a half months into the season before he gave up his first hit. And so, like, yeah, you see some stuff like that. And, um, yeah, we had a lot of guys that were fun to watch. In fact, some local guys, too, like Dan Hammer, um, a Holy oh, yeah, Ghost yeah. kid, I'm pretty sure. But he was my teammate. In Aber- and we trained together at Ascent, um, known him for years. And he'll run it up to, like, 97, 98. So I really um, – I'm, like, a student of the game in a sense that I, I love watching good pitchers pitch. And I love watching guys with, you know, some nasty shit do yeah, do their yeah. job. It's, it's really cool to watch. So very fortunate that – I think everybody in this org brings a little something to the table. There's certainly nobody that I wouldn't take any information from. I think I'm always learning and um, really love watching my teammates do their thing too. It's, it teaches me. I think I get a lot out of watching it, so it's fun. Have you gotten to see fellow media Little Eagle on Nate Furman out there yet? Have you guys <laughs> uh, played them? I haven't played Nate yet in uh, pro ball. It's funny. I think um, he's with the Indi- or the Guardians, yeah, right? So I think they're Columbus. They're, I think that's yeah. ter- that might be AAA. Um he I know. want to say they're double A's in Akron, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. I think, yeah, like, I yeah, think yeah he's rubber ducks. ducks. Yes. He definitely started low, uh, low A and made up to high this year. Yes. I just forget where each of them so was. I yeah. want to say that his high A team is actually in the Midwest League. It might be like Lake County or something, which when I was with the A's, we would have played them. I didn't overlap with him when I was with the A's. And now that I'm over on this side, I think I wouldn't play him until hopefully we're both in double A at some point. We'd play in Akron or something like that. So I haven't played him yet, but... I see him all the time. When he's home, he's spent a lot of time in Arizona this year, I think. 
Um, but when he's home, he comes in and sees Rob and, and works out and everything. So typically in the off season, I'll see him. I saw him at Mass actually on uh, Christmas Eve. So awesome. we got it. Yeah, yeah, I love the firm. Um, all right. Well, of course, you know, being a Delco baseball podcast, we got to talk some Delco. Uh, so when I say Delco baseball, what does that mean to you? Like, do you carry that? You know, like do you bring the Delco with you? I guess is the best way to put I it. I think so. I mean, I've certainly gotten a couple of uh, comments about the way I talk a little bit, and <laughs> I don't know. It's just out, but I just listened to the whole Bonner podcast you guys did in here and. That's Delco baseball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. In a nutshell. We, we have the accents, but they have the accents. They have the accents. <laughs> they have, no, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Ridley guys. No, you know? Ridley guys are a little bit <laughs> yeah. different too. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I put Delco in my um, my little Instagram bio, I think, and it might even be on Twitter now too. But I certainly love being, you know, that outside of Philadelphia guy. And I think that um, Delco's got a little bit of grit to us. It's funny being the Northeast kid, like you're playing with a ton of guys, usually from California, from Florida, from Texas, like these warmer states. And it definitely takes a little bit more to, I think, get it done up in this part of the country and blessed with really good resources. People like Robin George, indoor facilities like a Anthony L1, you know, it's not easy to be outside when it's 20 degrees and stuff so to have places to go to get the work in and train i think that that's a little bit of that delco grit that i'm talking about um but i think it's also like a a little bit of a toughness element too um nothing was really handed to me or ever easy growing up i mean in this area it was certainly not rare to have coaches that were really hard on you like I remember some of the most competitive games I played, I think, were at, like, 5th and 6th and 7th and 8th grade CYO basketball. And, you know, to see these dads and these coaches, like, grilling each other. And if it wasn't good enough, like, our coaches are coming down our throats. And I don't know if you remember. You know, like, a Louis Lombardo? Yeah, Lombardo. yeah. Went to Penn State with him, too. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, Big Lou was one of my first ever coaches. This is back in, like, Rose Tree Colts. And, I mean, don't piss that guy off. Like, you, you're going to get met with the iron cloud so it's it's a definitely um definitely fortunate to be brought up in a a super competitive environment i think a super tough environment and i really do think that i take a lot of the stuff i've had from from delaware county and just that whole idea of of toughness and grit and whatnot i bring it to to work every day with me what was it like seeing the media little league guys go on the run this year because i saw you at the state championship yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so it worked out well i think it was on a monday Mm -hmm. and so obviously being so close to home like you talk about i would have never been able to do that if i was with the you're not gonna fly home for that no no and so like that was a huge to do and i mean obviously i really was fond of my memories at media little league my nine and ten year old team this was back in god i think like 2008 maybe like seven or six i don't know my nine and ten year old team won the state and then when I was 12, I think we got out of the district. We maybe made it through sectionals. And there's been a lull. Like, I don't think the 12-year-old district team has gotten out of the district maybe since I, I don't was think there. It, I don't think it was. Were you with Alex Berman? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was since that team. No, mm-hmm. it, like, we didn't do anything. So to go all that time, it's so funny because my dad coached uh, Little League like back then. He was my, you know, first coach. He coached a little football, coached a little basketball, but was always Little League baseball. We had this dynasty at Baker playing. Oh, Baker, they still, they they still, still win every win. year. Yeah, every yeah year. Tony Antonello, man. That guy, he's one of my role models, too. Like, I mentor. He taught the fundamentals of baseball before, I mean, anybody needed to know the fundamentals of baseball. We were doing bunt defenses when I was, like, 9 and 10 years old. But That's... sure as crap, like, you get to high school, and, and these kids don't know it. And so to have that kind of instruction, to have that kind of – you know, person in your life, I think at that age. And he paired really well with my dad because Tony was like super mechanical. He really did the ins and outs, the baseball IQ stuff. And my dad was like our strategist. I mean, numbers guy, like 
he would go into the draft basically with his own little made up rankings on certain players, and he's not just taking the best guy. He's like, oh, this guy can run a little bit. Like we can use him. Nobody's going to take They're him. Eight years really old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just from the little, playing like money ball, the little, com- yeah, yes. the, like the little combine they <laughs> yes, would do it, like yes. media elementary uh, yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. 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 it was at like Sprinkton Lake. Yeah. They'd split the gym in half, and yep. yeah. So my dad's like scouting these kids and. You know, I'm like 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. And sure enough, like, I got through Baker printing. I think we won either, I think it was two. I Probably think we won year. when I was yeah. 11 and 12. And then my brother Brian was on Baker printing. They won almost every year. And I think my brother Jake was on Baker printing. And they won most. In the next, the last probably, got like 12 to 15 years. Baker might have like 10 or 11. That kid Crowley was on Baker this yeah. year. I'm like, I knew that. I could tell that already. I'm like, I didn't even need to ask. I'm like, you're obviously a Baker guy. And, and so, know? I mean, it's built a little bit of a dynasty. And yeah, there's certainly probably some people over at Media Little League that are like still trying to figure <laughs> that. I remember they made like pitch count rules when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, we'd have like in-house rules that were different than the districts because my dad, I mean, he'd run me. If I couldn't pitch the next day because I threw, you know, 21 pitches, I was it was like a one-two count on the hitter, and I was getting taken out to go pitch today. So he was on top of it. And, um, you know, I think that's always stuck with me too. I have a, I don't know, I've got such a love and passion for this game. I really do feel like I'm still playing this child's game. But the way I think through it, I mean, it really started in Little League. Like I see these little angles that maybe other people don't see, and I try to obviously bring that to, to work and to pitch with it. But it's, it's just so I'm so lucky to have gone through a, a great upbringing like that, and to to really learn some of the most important aspects of playing the game of baseball from a long, long, a young age, um, and to then like fall in love with that. I feel like that's where a lot of kids get bored, right? Like in high school, if maybe you're not playing every day, or you're stuck out in left field, or in little league, maybe you're in the outfield and you don't have a coach that's able to like deliver the the strategic elements, the baseball IQ elements that really when you think about it, kind of make the game fun like you're playing small ball you're you're getting in rundowns and, and moving the ball around and stuff if none of that things are happening or processing in your head like the game could look a little bit boring i suppose and um i've really never felt that though like i watch 132 games a year now including or not including spring training and I really am never bored. Like, there's always something in a baseball game that, that happens that maybe you didn't see or there's something exciting, and I find a lot of joy in the small things. Like, somebody who goes out and shoves for eight innings on TV, that might not look like too much fun, but, like, damn, that's pretty impressive. Like, he just got through that lineup four times. Like, that's yeah. that's unbelievable. So, um it's the little things, yeah. Well, we're fired up because we're actually sponsoring a media little league team this yeah, year. Yeah, we got, we'll, uh, we'll have a national league team okay. this year, which is uh, which is cool because I feel like that's you know a lot of those kids won't have like social media, but our shows on YouTube. So 100%, like, yeah. I feel like that's the perfect age of yeah. where kids will like you know fall in love just like like caring about baseball. Absolutely, you know, in, yeah. In that in that regard. Um, all right. Well, on the topic of Delco, we got Episcopal as well. Played your high school ball there. Um, just talk a little about a little bit about your time there. What you like about it? How they help prepare you and uh, and all that? Yeah. So I was very lucky. Um, you know, I came over. I went to the public school until eighth grade. That was like the Pencrest School District, and then um, kind of through playing those CYO sports and and whatnot, got a little bit into that private world, and um, basically was deciding between going to Episcopal or going to the Haverford School, and um, wound up going to Episcopal. I fell in love with that campus. I mean. It's a you, college you, campus. You can't yeah. beat it. I mean, honest to God, there was elements of it that are nicer than Penn State. Yeah. Um, <laughs> surely not at the same size, but, like, it, the, the fields, the turf, the everything. Um, I just fell in love with that school. I think I'm a little bit of, like, an OCD person, too. So to have it laid out, it's this perfect square. You have a quad. You're walking back and forth. Um, 
and the freedom that like kind of came with that. It wasn't just a you're in school from you know eight in the morning until three and it's strict and this and that. Like I had free periods. We're dropping classes. Like it was very similar to college, and and I think that that prepared me really really well for college. But on an athletic end, you know, just the the resources like that field house had it was like a kid's dream. I mean, the giant field house upstairs it had three basketball courts but kind of that rubber surface it was a great spot to do baseball there was a drop down cage um our competition gym where the basketball team played a state of the art like really had a good experience for the most part in basketball and then football was like my you know kind of i, I told that story earlier but i loved it and to be able to play for episcopal like those big games i mean haverford ea day is obviously a giant tradition but that game against Malvern, too, is always a big deal across every sport. Like, there's just something about wanting to go beat Malvern that was – it's funny. Like, I trained with uh, Jimmy Kingsbury, and I know Shane Muntz really well, too. I was training with him for a couple of years, and they're still, like, you're talking shit and, and, and messing with those guys because they went to Malvern, you know. So it really never ends. But one of the coolest, I think, parts of my whole experience at Episcopal was my senior year, um, getting to play with my middle brother, Brian. So Brian was – a freshman at the time was the backup catcher on varsity, and our starting catcher Will Park had Shout out Penn State Club yeah, baseball. Will Park, Will Park, with two of his shoulder surgeries. Yes, yeah. so like one of them was in high school, and so that kind of opened up a door for Brian to really step up and and be the varsity catcher. So um, it's certainly it's so funny because I mean I was 17, 18 years old at that point, and I think now as a little bit more of a experienced like been through college have gotten into pro ball a little bit just older and a little bit wiser i would imagine um i'm looking back on that experience and like that's rare to to you know get to to throw to not just play with but to like literally be partners in in terms of of games and there's some great pictures from from that time and it's amazing that i got to, to work with brian and to throw to him and he was my catcher for that entire season um but now i would say even more so like I'm getting to really work with my youngest brother, Jake, who me and Jake have, I think it's an eight-year age difference. Jake's a junior at Episcopal right now. And um, it's amazing because when I left for college, the kid maybe came up to my waist. Like, he was a baby. He was a little kid. And now, I mean, Jake's like 6'2", 205. And not only is he like a grown-looking man, but he's catching me right now. And he's catching Justin Topa. He's catching William Cuevas, who's playing in the KBO. He catches all of my minor league buddies. And um, he'll be the catcher at Episcopal this year. And I, I really think a leader on that team, I think, you know, I don't want to put words into his mouth or put big ideas or big expectations. But, like, I watch him work, and his ceiling is so high. Like, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I'm his brother. But he smokes baseballs and his receiving, like the way he's able to catch us at a super high level, like blocking. Um, and he's working at the elements of his game that, you know, maybe need a little bit of work. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's certainly training with Rob all the time. He's trying to work on his speed. He's never been able to throw it quite as hard as, uh, you know, maybe he wants to, but that's actually ticked up a lot. And I think just him growing and going through, you know, like puberty and, and becoming a little bit more of a man, like, his ceiling in baseball is endless. Like, I, I think he can be doing what I'm doing. So I'm so excited to watch him um, play this year. And that's one of the hardest parts about, I think, going away and playing pro ball. It's like I miss all that. I miss the one season that maybe I really would love to see to see Jake play. So as amazing as it was to get to, to pitch to my brother Brian, I think it's even been uh, more rewarding for me to, to not only pitch to my brother Jake, but to now, like, kind of coach him a little bit and work with him on – 
every element of his game and to go through this recruiting process with him, especially knowing what I know, like the baseball world is so small. So there's so many different connections. Like my, my pitching coach with the Orioles this year is a guy, Austin Miney. Um, he was the pitching coach at UNC Charlotte for Nate, Nate Furman. Furman. Yeah. And so like we know the Furmans together and now like he's well connected with the UNC Charlotte guys. And similarly to all the coaches I had at Penn State, they just turned over their staff up there and I've met the new ones at Penn State, so I'm connected with them. And then all of my old coaches, like the one guy I'm real close with, Dallas Burke, he's an assistant at Dartmouth, Coop's down at Miami. Um, you know, these like Shay Sobrani was uh, one of the volunteer assistants. He's the director of PBR Arizona right now. So the baseball world, like, it stays so small. And to be able to help my, my youngest brother, Jake, kind of at his most important part so far in his journey has been super cool because – I really think he's about to get the ball moving on some of the recruiting stuff, and I really think that, uh, I mean, his ceiling is, is so high. I'm so excited to see him play this year. Um, it's funny. He, he showed up to one of our Wayne games, and <laughs> I thought it was the middle brother because I'm like, all right, so the youngest one I think is going to be a junior, and he's like, you know, I'm like, what's up, I'm Brennan? He's like, oh, I'm Jake. I'm like, I'm like I, I, in my head, I'm like, this is probably Brian. I'm like, you're, you're 15 years old. Like, he goes yard in his first game, and I'm like, Jesus. Like, <laughs> that was his first home run of his career, yeah. Really? Yeah. Jeez, oh, yeah. But I hope, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he hit eight to ten home runs this year. And, again, I'm not trying to put crazy expectations out there, but I, the kid could hit. I mean, he's left-handed in catches. It's as different from me as possible. I'm like a righty pitcher, you know, batted righty, the whole thing. So it's amazing, though, um, I mean, just watching his swing. Like, I, I watch pretty high-level guys, especially left-handed guys, all the time, and I see so many different pieces of that in Jake's swing, and I just can't wait to see him continue to kind of come into his own and, and really figure it out because um, I think he's got a really bright future in the game and, I mean, in life, too. He's incredible in a sense that he could fix – he drives this big red truck around, and, dude, we had that thing in pieces, like putting it – we put a lift kit in it. We are replacing tires. He just bought a new bumper, like – the kid fishes. He's got his own little fishing, but he's so passionate about different things in life, and um, it's just amazing to see him kind of putting it all together. And he knows things that I had no idea about when I was, you know, six. Like literally, I mean, imagine having the entire tire off of your truck up on a lift and taking off things that, like, certainly if you don't put back together, you're you're not going to be able to drive. And that's Jake. He's like a no-brainer. We'll watch a YouTube video and get it done, and we're doing it. So he's a, he's a great brother, and it's been a lot of fun working with him. So, yeah. All right, well, we'll ask one more question here before we let you go. Uh, so I, this is kind of a two-part question. I always like to ask people about their goals. So what would you say are, I would say, a realistic goal and a lofty goal, like one that you know you think is achievable and one that maybe not so much but you're going to work for? Yeah, I mean, you know, my short-term goal right now um, – I really want to go down to spring training, have a great camp, compete for a starting job in double A. I think that's likely where, um, you know, I'm not going to say likely where I'll start, but I think that's certainly something that I can work towards. Um, you know, I, I really lofty goal wise. Um, I love being a, a starting pitcher. I think there's a lot of control that, that goes into that. And to be able to go out there and get to the yard on that day. And it's, it's my day to, to, you know, take the ball and go do my thing. If I could do that, you know, for a while in the big leagues would be my, my lofty goal. And I think that there's a couple of things I've done to kind of prove that, you know, maybe it is in my future. I'm, I'm certainly pretty consistent. Um, I've been on the field. Like, one of the hardest things in pro ball is literally just staying on the field, staying healthy. But knock on wood, I mean, in two and a half years in pro ball, like, I haven't missed a bullpen. Um, thrown almost 240 innings or so, and I think that 
I still have a lot more to give. I, in fact, I ended last season a little bit sad that it was over, like through 105 innings, and I'm like, I still have more. Like I, I genuinely, I think I can keep doing this. So, um, you know, long term, I'd I'd love to sign that you know big deal and, and play for a World Series and try to help. Like it's funny because once you get in the pro ball, right, you're working so hard towards trying to get up to the big leagues. You lose a little sight of, you know, a, a Wednesday game in, in Aberdeen, Maryland, like you win or lose that game there's not that it's not the same as maybe like playing michigan at penn state where there's that big like this is a big 10 game this is friday night this is important to win you know like you kind of are waiting to feel that again until you hopefully get up to the the show when it all matters right and um i want to feel that again i think i want to be on a team that's you know fighting to play in october to to go play in front of world series fans like I, i was at the phillies um NLCS. I went to game two and game six. I was really lucky to get tickets to both of those games uh, through a few friends. And man, like to see Philly putting out like that, man, like red October, right? And I, the Orioles fans are oh, the crazy. same. I mean, no, they're, they're crazy. crazy. Yeah. So, and it's an Baseball awesome, count. it's an awesome environment. And yeah, you're seeing it right now with the Ravens too. And it's like to be a part of that, to even think about being a part of that kind of gives me the chills. So I, I really think that. If I could play this game long enough and at a high enough level to to go and do those things, uh, that's my dream, you know. So, all right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming in studio. Yeah, uh, long you. long time coming, but we appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll be keeping tabs this year. Good luck. No, man, I appreciate that, and thank you guys for uh, for what you do too. I think this is great for Delco. It's great for baseball. It's really really good to have somebody talking about it. And so, um, yeah, like I saw you at the little league game. I know you're covering the high schools, and I certainly appreciate the coverage of, of my career too. And I know. Um, you know, like my mom and dad really, really appreciate stuff like this. My friends appreciate stuff like this. And I think that for this area, it's such a hotbed of talent. I mean, both high school, college, professional, there's a lot of guys doing it. And so to have you guys be able to, to cover it and to, to keep everyone up to date, it's huge. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, best of luck this year. Stay healthy and uh, hopefully make it out to a game. You yeah, know. man. All right, thank you to Kyle Verbisky for coming on the show. What a great interview. I oh, mean, just, awesome. you know, a guy that's seen it all, uh, the good and the bad. You know, he has such a wide perspective on the game, and it just, you know, you, it sounds cliche, but you can't teach the ability to be so locked in on getting better every day. Yeah. You know, like, there, once you get to that level, the talent really kind of, in a sense, mm-hmm. evens out. But it's, you know, it's the little things that add up to the big things that, that get you where you want to be. And, you know, what a bright future with him in both Baltimore and then. 100%, you know, yeah. Um, just, you know, looking forward to that. Big year for the O's coming up. And, and we're going to talk. So usually we have like a Phillies, you know, little section and an MLB section. We're going to kind of combine them because the Phillies haven't really done anything. Uh, yep. And I, I, me personally, I'm not as frustrated as a lot of the masses seem to be that, you know, there hasn't really been much movement going on solely because they were a all-time collapse away from making two straight World Series, right? Like, I think it's it's frustrating, you know, but, like, I think it also shows confidence that, hey, like, if we don't have our best players go 0 for 40, Mm. we're we're right there again. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably part of, like, a little bit of a void right now where it's just, like, Eagles are cooked. Flyers, Flyers are, are now cooked. Yeah. Carter, Joel Carter Hart is very cooked. Carter Hart is very cooked. Um, Joel Embiid's knees cooked. Just everything's cooked. Yeah. Like we just we need something. We to be need mad something. At. Like yeah. Dave, just do something. Get like get a bench bat. We got Adam Duvall in here. Yeah. Why not, dude? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it's just it's frustrating in the sense of you see every other team doing something, and you, you know, it's like the old meme where you have the stick in the mud, where it's like yeah, do something, just you please. know. 
But, you know, it seemed like the biggest thing was going to be bullpen. But Josh Hader just signed a massive deal with the Astros. Mm -hmm. I would not have done that. Hector Neris, I wanted him back. He signed with the Cubs. Phil Maton, uh, brother of former Philly, Nick Maton, who I will only remember for punching his locker after Nick got a hit off him and missing the, the World Series in 2022. Love that. Um, and he signed, that. With, he signed with the Rays. So it, it kind of feels like the Phillies are kind of going with the whole, like, let's just run it back. And I think that the bullpen might struggle a little bit until yeah. they figure, figure some things out. But in terms of one to nine, I'll, I'll put that up with a lot of teams. The bench is a little bit of a question mark, but uh, let's give the boy Wes Wilson some love. Yeah, I mean, his first at bat, he hit like a 440-foot homer, and yeah. it's like he's done more than, you know, like half of our bench has ever done in their in their career. I will say, so the theory I've come up with in recent weeks is that if you openly claim team, or teams and fan bases that openly claim run it back, never successfully run it back. That being said, so I'm not going to claim run it back, Will not do that because I don't want to say I went up for failure. I do like the team they have. Yeah, I mean they it, were very good. Team. Like it, it all comes down to like if they can get over the mental hurdle of holy crap, we just choked away a World yeah. Series appearance. Like I deep down still think the Rangers it was their year mm-hmm. and we would have lost yeah. either way. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's just like it's it's crazy to me that there are so many people that like you know we're gonna be a last place team like not not that exaggeration but like yeah, no. we're thinking that we're gonna be all right did it's... we do enough to leapfrog the Braves for the division maybe not no, but as we've shown in the playoffs who cares yeah. you know we're six and two against them in the last um couple years playing them in the playoffs so I don't know I, I'm excited I think that we're gonna miss Reese just having the vibes mm-hmm. around but uh I like the team where we're at uh we obviously talked about it in the interview a little bit but the Orioles traded for Corbin Burns they traded DL Hall, Jalen Ortiz, and I'm going to be honest. I didn't know you could trade draft picks. Um, the con- it's like the yeah, comp. Uh, maybe you know? that's why you can. Yeah. I don't think you can trade not straight up. Like if I, if you know they have the 13th pick in the first round, I don't think you can trade that. No, you could have definitely can't. Um, but yeah, I guess comp ones you can. That's it's like where Kevin was picked. I think like 30, yeah, yeah, 37. It's yeah. a comp round. It's like it's like a first round pick. Yeah, but uh, no, it's exciting time for the Orioles. Uh, I think that we covered a lot of it. You know, in the uh, in the interview, but the fact that they were the number one seed in the American League and their ace was Kyle Bradish. Like, no disrespect to Kyle no, Bradish. not at all. He, but he threw very well. He's like a elite number two or yeah. like an elite yeah. elite number three. And I think that, you know, as Kyle alluded to, maybe they're not done yet. Who knows? But regardless, Corbin Burns immediately, you know, you go into a playoff series and you know in game one you're not going to get like have what happened, mm-hmm. you know, this, this most recent year with the Rangers. Uh, I think that'll bring a lot to the uh, the Orioles community. Having as as my old roommate Ryan Nico said, they haven't had an ace in his life. It was Chris Tillman. That was like the closest they've had to a true ace in in his fandom, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Uh, with the, all the guys that we've had here, uh, we also have the MLB The Show cover announcement. So Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will be on the cover of MLB The Show twenty four. I'm not the biggest fan of this choice. No. Uh, I think that. Over the last two years, they've kind of gone with people who have, uh, let's just say, I think the popularity outweighs the talent a bit. Yeah, definitely. That was, uh, someone tweeted about, I don't know if it was true or not, but there was like, they really had a dude on the cover that had a less war than Alec Boom or something like that. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, was a, it's like he had an elite 
like the, he hit like 49 homers in a year, but yeah, the last two yeah, years, yeah. like his OPS been has been in like the bit. 700s. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I mean, I'm still not over them picking jazz Chisholm for the year before, just cause like, it's the same thing. It's yeah. like, I get you want the young audience, but they're like, give me like Julio Rodriguez or like Acuna. Like, give me like a young guy who. So there's an interesting. Adley Rutschman. There's a weird thing with that where I again saw something on Twitter. So don't know the truth of that. That's where we get all our, our news. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit. But that kind of a problem, kind of not. But um, I guess like Acuna's on some kind of app. Like, I don't know if it's that's, that baseball. And you can't be Julio on a Rodriguez cover. is yeah. the Bigs, I believe, or tap baseball. It's like bigs, you can't so be like, on a different. Yeah, it's like so Embiid like was both. on NBA Live, so he yeah, couldn't so be like two K or whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean it makes sense. I just think that like, yeah, there's still other picks. Well, like, you said a million other. There guys. was a theory about something with him and his dad, right? Yeah, yeah, there was also a thing where if they go the uh, like some kind of father son cover for the not like the base game will just be that it's cover like a deluxe. Yeah, like the deluxe yeah. that like you pay thirty dollars more for like. I don't know More packs, probably. Yeah, yeah, like packs. Well, I mean, you can get Matt and Jackson Holiday. There's plenty yeah, of, you yeah, know, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot you could do with um, that. So. Also random, but did you know that both Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy's dads played pro baseball? I did. I saw that. I don't yeah. think Brock's dad made the bigs. I'm no. pretty sure, but he played minor league baseball. Um, so that, that's football talk right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, last thing to pretty much wrap it up is it's kind of weird to me that there's so many big free agents still out there. Mm-hmm. Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Cody Bellinger. And I think that... I don't even think did had Bryce signed at this time. Like I'm pretty sure we um, when we signed him way back in 2019. I think it was like late February, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he hadn't signed yet. I just, think it's, I don't know. Like I love NBA free agency, free agency because guys decide oh, in like two days. Like yeah. you know, oh free agency well, starts tampering. I know, yeah, but I wish. All right, baseball should tamper. Then that's that's my solution. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but it's just like you look at basketball. It's like the free agency starts at midnight, like at twelve oh one. Like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are signed with the Clippers. You know, I think it's just like drawing this out. It's like I don't even care where they go at this point yeah, anymore. Yeah. It's like just sign somewhere. And I'm not blaming them if they're not getting the offers they want. No, yeah, then yeah. it's smart for them to to stand by. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I just think that you know, so many. I mean, we have a reigning Cy Young winner, reigning World Series champion, and a guy like Cody Bellinger that just had a huge comeback year. And, like, they're all still out there. Like, those guys are going to play meaningful innings for a playoff team, most mm-hmm. likely, and they're still out there. It's yeah, crazy. that's – I think uh, – I saw with Snell, like, he had a really high asking price. He wanted, like, upper $200 mm-hmm. million. Um, And so that might be maybe they're waiting for a team to, like, all else fails. And they're like, okay, I guess we'll give Blake Snell that money. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's probably, like, those guys are waiting for the market to come to them and the market's waiting for those guys to – Come to it. Who knows? So. Maybe, maybe the O's will go out and get another, yeah, another, yeah, get another Corbin and Snell little duo or I mean, something like that. Yeah, we're playing Aaron Hicks out there, so like Cody Bellinger probably wouldn't hurt. No. All right. Well, I believe that is all we have for no this. Disrespect to Aaron Hicks. No disrespect to Aaron Hicks, <laughs> but uh, I believe that's all we have for this show today. Great episode. Probably one of the longest episodes yeah, that we've definitely. ever had. Uh, but you Stick know, with it, though. It's a good one. Yeah. We're, we're about a month away from uh, high school baseball starting. Honestly, by the time this airs, I know Millersville already played at the Astros Stadium last night. They're uh, playing like now, too. Yeah. They're playing Tampa. They're playing a bunch of top 10 oh, matchups cool. there. Um, but as always, thank you for tuning in. Shout out producer Rob for uh, hooking us up. As always, uh, make sure to follow us on all socials. Uh, we have a link tree in our Instagram bio that has everything, but we got uh, Instagram and Twitter is at Delco Baseball. We got Facebook, YouTube. Uh, we have TikTok where we only pretty much just post little, you know, show uh, clips. We're not dancing. Oh, we have anything. TikTok. We yeah. do. We do have TikTok. I might have to actually get TikTok if we have I think TikTok you have to, just yeah. to further the business. Yeah. But uh, as always, thank you for tuning in, and I will see you next time.